This is Existential, a podcast where I shoot the shit about how we shape our life's own meaning on this random ass planet and do so without miserably copy and pasting someone else's life or drowning in a pee infested pool of personal responsibility anxiety. I'm Talia Pollock, an author, columnist, and lover of the yoga pose pigeon. I've been questioning the meaning and mocking the absurdity of life since diapers, and I've been writing about it since tampons. If you're a millennial going through an existential crisis or just a regular damn Tuesday, I am oh so glad you've landed here. Oh, and hey, did you know that dolphins have existential crises too? Yeah, they wonder if their life has a porpoise. At age 10, I turned to my mom with a mouthful of Cinnamon Life cereal and asked her, what's the meaning of life? And I've spent every day since questioning that. In case you haven't thought about existentialism since your brief module on it in high school English class, existentialism is the belief that we're each responsible for creating purpose and meaning in our own lives. That despite how TV commercials woo us or IG influencers influence us, there is not one way to live, not one shared Google Doc bucket list, no single set of values, no precise registry of things that'll make us all feel universally fulfilled. Existentialists understand that we have the freedom to construct our own meaningful existence on this random ass planet through every decision we make. Fun, though not necessarily fun. A big time philosopher named Jean-Paul Sartre acknowledged back in the mid 1900s what is like a billion more times true today, that freedom, while usually a yay thing, can quickly become a nay thing when the free reign to create purpose is so open-ended whilst also so important that it feels painful. He called this the burden of responsibility. I mean, You've been to 16 Handles. Sometimes having so much choice can be overwhelming and anxiety-inducing, which then causes us to dump way more froyo in our cups than anticipated, or walk out of the shop with watermelon sorbet, coffee, ice cream swirl with peanut butter sauce. If we resolve to swim against the sponsored post stream, if we dare to disagree with our parents' wishes for us or live differently than what's deemed the norm and instead choose to boldly and authentically tune into ourselves with that self-awareness thing and design Lego by Lego, decision by decision, a life of meaning as custom to us as our computer password, If we can do all that, life will feel harder, but it will also be one of those lives that when it's ending, you don't feel what has been researched to be the number one regret of people dying. That I wished I'd have the courage to live a life true to myself rather than the life that others expected of me. Sure, maybe you'll regret a joke in a bridesmaid toast you made, or wish you hadn't put that backyard pool that was way more burden than it was pleasure in, and you definitely have a haircut or two you'll ask your higher up to pardon as you're ducking out. But ultimately, if you do the self-loyalty legwork to create a life of authentic meaning, you will rest in inner peace and that's as swell as it gets.
Okay, cool. So we're like just a few minutes into this thing and already talking about death. Welcome to Pillow Talk with my husband, Jesse. But you know, in Bhutan, a teeny country in Asia that is consistently ranked as one of the happiest countries in the whole wide world, they have a nationwide practice built into their culture of contemplating death three to five times a day. Yeah. While we here in the East have our practice of stressing about food at that interval, the Bhutanese are peacefully thinking about dying. And they're oodles happier than us. Despite being ranked the 134th most developed nation on Earth, meaning they don't have cars that can self-parallel park. How can this be? Not the living without self-parking cars thing, but that they're so happy remembering and thinking about death. Because basically, when a person remembers that death is imminent, unavoidable, and unpredictable too, their copy and paste checklist and their stress over everyday bullshit becomes irrelevant, and their mind habitually stays centered on what really fills them from within. The lead lama in Bhutan's main hospital, where he counsels the dying day after day, said that he's found that the people who have not thought about death are the ones who have regrets on their deathbeds because they have not used this necessary tool of reminding themselves of death that could have made them live a fuller life. So I've been unknowingly living like the Bhutanese my whole life. I can't tell you how much Jesse loves it when he's complaining over something minute like centering a painting on the wall and I tell him to calm down because we're going to die anyway and an inch here or there really holds no significance in the long run. The key to a happy marriage. You are welcome. But hear me out. According to a trillion different studies, millennials, we 25 to 40-ish year olds, have made depression as much a part of our culture as emojis. Insert series of sad, crying, worried emojis here, and the broken heart one. A Blue Cross Blue Shield report from 2019 found that millennials are seeing their physical and mental health decline at a faster rate than Gen X at our age. Since 2013, there's been 47% increase in major depression diagnosis among us. Now, not only do we have a loneliness epidemic spreading like, okay, I won't say it, but rhymes with livid, but more millennials are also dying what Business Insider called deaths of despair, deaths related to drugs, alcohol, and suicide. In my words, deaths related to hopelessness, emptiness, gloom, lack of feeling worthy and belonging and like life has any meaning i.e. existential despair. This hurts my heart and freaks me out and is ultimately why I decided after having my own existential crisis last year and after having struggled for the majority of my 32 years with debilitating depression and suicidal thoughts that talking about making our life feel more meaningful so we want to stay in it is way more important to me nowadays than talking about hibiscus and curly kale and chia seeds. Although, eating mostly plants also helps with depression, anxiety, and gives us more vibrancy and energy to live our life in whatever way we deem meaningful. Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. And all the hundred and something prior episodes to this one are all about eating plants, if you dig. Okay, but so this podcast, Existential, is my smushing of existential together with millennial because I'm a millennial whose mind is stuck in this eternal examination of existence. 
while my legs are stuck in skinny jeans. Really, I asked myself, Talia, why save all your musings for small talk with your hairdresser when studies say that they too are also likely somewhere on the, ah, what the is life and how do I make it more meaningful spectrum anyway? So this is where I'll be exploring intentional living through a smorgasbord of science and spirituality, psychology, philosophy, eavesdropping, music lyrics, tabloid headlines read in line at the grocery store, and thoughts I have in the shower. And because I'm not one to pull stuff out of my ass, I instead pulled cash out of my savings to pay teachers college at Columbia University for a master's degree in educational psychology with a concentration on positive psychology and spirituality, which I'll be doing concurrently. I feel my most purposeful in life when thinking and talking and writing about the human condition. And I derive my most meaning saying or scribing things that you might consciously, subconsciously, or unconsciously really got to work out the difference before I start school, um, what you think, so you feel less like a girl at a baby shower panicking because the public unwrapping of your present is next, and you're petrified that your gift is way off, even though if you could hear into the heads of all the ladies next to you, you'd hear the same exact thoughts coming from their heads too. Because you are never alone. We are never alone. I process the world through writing. And that's why I let all phone calls go to voicemail and then casually text, sorry, Mr. Call, a cool seven and a half minutes later to try to take the convo away from off-the-cuff mouth speaking and onto keyboard typing where I thrive. All this to say, don't call me. And also, most of the musings you'll hear here on the show are me reading my columns, probably with light commentary, which you can also read with your eyes on my website if you prefer. Dealer's choice. I'm also working on a new book, and by new, I mean my old book, my first book, a humorous, healthy cookbook called Party in Your Plants, 100 plus plant-based recipes and problem-solving strategies to help you eat healthier without hating your life. It came out in April 2020, and it is available wherever books are sold. But most of this content on this show will be me playing around with new ideas and new stories as I meander through my new manuscript. So please, if you have thoughts, feedback, additions, questions, compelling stories, mediocre stories, if you want help learning how to write stories, email me at thing at taliapollock.com. That's thing, T-H-I-N-G, at Talia Pollock, that's P-O-L-L-O-C-K, like the fish and the painter, dot com. And if you choose to email me an attack kind of thing, especially if it's a typo you're writing to me about, you'll probably get some response saying we're all going to die anyway, so why waste energy on that meaningless shit? I'll sign it with an XOXO. Anyway, I guess the final thing I should say in this little intro for my new existential show is I have a little friend called Bipolar 2 Disorder, which means I'm not always consistent with my musical preferences, my wardrobe choices, my energy levels, my willingness to smile at strangers, and mostly with my creativity, confidence, and get-off-the-couch ability. So I will do my best to be regular with this project. I'm aiming for every Tuesday, but like I told my beta fish in college, no promises that I'll be able to keep you afloat. I mean, not floating. My inconsistent feeding did make it afloat, all right. Oi, 
R.I.P. Fiche. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you want to quickly click the five-star rating option, even just for that stellar fish joke, I would really appreciate it. Or not. In truth, I mean, like, what really matters anyway? Okay, love you. Bye! Okay, hi again. Sorry, real quick. Since I'm still troubleshooting how to have a healthy, respectful relationship with social media, I'm hoping to spend most of my time connecting with you via the good old-fashioned email. If you're a millennial, you probably remember the thrill of your very first, you got mail. And now, you know the dread of it. But hopefully emailing with me won't be dreadful. So if you want to get my frequent-ish, remember the bipolar thing, emails with all sorts of fun, meaningful stuff that I'm hoping to be like an orange tic-tac in your inbox, something delightful, refreshing, and peppy, scroll down to the show notes and click the link that says get my newsletter or go to taliapollock.com and click the same kind of link. Okay, thanks.